Well, hello, folks, <laughs> and welcome to We the Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast in which you are going to get to know everything, everything, everything that you need to know about the USMNT, the only thing in soccer. If you can call this that. Yes. The only thing in soccer that you care about this weekend, the USMNT <laughs> versus Haiti in the Gold Cup. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Clayton. I'm an artist. I'm Ty. I'm an entrepreneur. And we love the Nats. These Nats. Yeah, these are do. also the Nats we do. that we love. We do. We do. We do. We do. It's We the Peeps. We the Peeps. Welcome to We the Peeps. Are you ready for We the Peeps? Holy moly, it's We the Peeps. The game was USA versus Haiti. Twas the first game of all in the group stage of the 2021, 2020, 2021 <laughs> Gold Cup. It's underway. Let's do this thing. The whole what soccer world's been waiting. For That's this right. moment, right. yep. you know, so many important things happened uh, this week in soccer, and we're here to cover all of them. Things like Giassi Zardes playing left wing, things like totally. uh, Matthew Hoppe riding the bench. Left back. <laughs> Sam Vines <laughs> and Shaq Moore not playing wing backs at all. Uh, that's unfair to Shaq Moore. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about all this and much, much more. Sam Vines took a nap in the middle of that game somewhere. I don't know where he was, but it wasn't on the yeah. field. It wasn't at Children's Mercy Park. There was Maybe there was like a... All I can imagine is that there was some strange mirror happening in Sam Vines' mind where when Haiti attacked on a counterattack, Sam Vines was like, gotta go, and made I, some runs. I'm out. I'm out, guys. We're about to score, right, guys? Uh, that's what happened. This was um, a pretty fun game in some respects, and we're going to talk about it as well as other <laughs> things. But first, of course, as always, housekeeping. Guys, uh, we love you. We really do. We love you so much for listening to this show, for being here with us week after week. And um, we, you know, we cannot possibly express our gratitude Enough. That's the most important thing. The second most important Never. thing is if you enjoy this show, say something IRL to someone about it. Just let someone know that it exists. If every single one of you did that, we double, you know, in downloads overnight, and then we would quickly decline again when the U.S. does something disappointing. But that's neither here nor there. Um, that's out of our hands. That's out of our hands. We can't control that. So please uh, help us get this whole thing going. Um, remember as well that we're on Twitter. If you want to reach out to us, uh, you know, throughout your week on your Monday, your workday, hit us up on Twitter at WTP pod and tango pizza. We are on the Patreon, uh, for 1 billions of Jurgen dollars, which actually is coming down. It's a, it's a, it's a 0.5 billion Jurgen dollars now Buy the dip, buy it now, buy it now. Um, you can become a ratified peep on Patreon forever and ever. Uh, that is, you know, you can you can take pride in the fact that you help keep this show going. It is not free to do the show. So we're so grateful to all of you who have decided to give five of your actual dollars uh, to us per month. Thank you guys so much. Uh, lastly, we are on YouTube uh, during each game, including this one. And we were not alone on there, my friends. We are currently on YouTube as we broadcast. Um, and we're so grateful to those of you who've been joining us on there. You can find us at the same the same uh, coordinates on YouTube as everything else. And, um, you know, do it. It's kind of fun. And you don't have to watch these games alone. You know, I'm sure that some of you listening to this episode uh, now watched the U.S. play Haiti in the Gold Cup after the Euros. The main thing on your Sunday was this Gold Cup game for some reason. And we want you to know that you are not alone. We are always with you, even in the in the strangest of Nat's moments. There are um, dozens of us. So there are dozens of us. Hit us up on YouTube, on your tube, on your tube. End of housekeeping. 
I make that sound to remind Clayton to put in the uh, the actual sound. That's correct. This is yeah. This is uh, YouTube only. <laughs> I'm plugging in my other computer. Oh my god. This was. This game, okay, I'm back. I might just leave all that in. This game was a mess uh, for us and on the field and for in the in the lives of many involved in we're this We're working our game. way into the tournament. <laughs> we are working our way in, but we're here. The only way to start it off is with a game recap. Guys, we won our first game. We came in here 1-0, uh, and, and, and we won this game. The starting lineup, line them up, boys. Let's get some gloves going. For your boy, MLB's finest, Matt Turner. Get on <laughs> in. In the back, we're going to have Sam Vines, Anthony Wait, No, Miles Robinson, uh, Walker Zimmermans, and Shaq Moore. Welcome back into the fold, Shaq Moore, you crazy kid. Uh, Shaq Moore is back with us. Uh, we're going to have a midfield trio of, you guessed it, yes. Yes, you the legit is yet you love to him. come. It's Jackson Ewell, Kellen Acosta, and Captain Sebastian Legit. Why not? We believe in that. We think that's going to work out pretty good. Up front, we're going to have the nine uh, the U.S. was always waiting for. Giassi Zardes on the left, Jonathan Lewis on the right. Uh, record-breaking Giassi Zardes. Record-breaking Giassi Zardes. Folks, this game would start off um, with a couple... With a flurry from from the Nats, uh, the Nats would come on in strong. Five minutes in, uh, Walker Zimmerman would hit the bar off a off of a, a free kick of some kind, and and then a few minutes later, uh, we'd get a goal from Sam Vines. Sam Vines. This came uh, from a Kellen Acosta sort of sprint. Uh, he ma he made a little run, the type of run he can only make against weak opposition. <laughs> Let's go. He did that. Uh, dished it out to Shaq Moore on the right side, who gave a curler, a nice curler, uh, to Giassi Zardes, right on his head, just right on the dime. Just make some good contact, Giassi, and Giassi bobbles it. A classic uh, bobble. This is not, as advertised, a beautiful decision from Giassi Zardes. No look, rainbow assist. <laughs> no, dog. This was no. This was Occam's razor <laughs> applies. <laughs> Giassi Zardes <laughs> attempting to score and not doing it's that. Just, it's just Giassi Zardes attempting to, attempting to control a pass <laughs> to him. And instead, instead, it bobbles out to the lone wolf, Sam Vines, who heads this one home. Thank God, um, because that would turn out to be the go-ahead goal. There was a lot. Out, that was it, baby. That was it, son. Uh, it looked like it would be maybe, you know, a... a, a potentially insensitive drubbing um, considering that you know Haiti is this ha Haitian national team is dealing with some some crisis uh, at home uh, politically which which I don't know much about but it's it's happening um, you know this this felt early on like oh this might really really be US's night and I can't say that it was it's not that it fully wasn't it just wasn't um, the US's night. There were some funny things that happened, I suppose. Um, we got to see some some other subs. Um, what what the fuck else happened in this game, Ty? I am having trouble making a clear assessment, and it's because of all the different factors that play into how you look at this match. So, on the face of it, just taking for granted the U.S. roster and the personnel that were available. It's a reasonable performance, one of those get the job done performances where you don't play your best, but you still come away with the victory. And that's what teams often need in order to progress in tournaments and do well. I could not get it out of my head, the disappointment of not having a bigger, uh, a stronger choice US uh, roster available i went from i realized that in the process of this that i went from thinking we would have a sweet first choice olympic roster and a backup gold cup roster to having being okay with us maybe bringing a you know weak team to the olympics and bringing the heat for the gold cup to having no olympics but i was like all right well at least we get to go all in on the gold cup 
and then slowly realizing that, oh, no, we're not going all in on the Gold Cup at all. So the thing that I took solace in was the Gianluca Busio and George Bello, you know, potential of this squad that that maybe we would see a rising star, the Daryl DK potential. We, we might see somebody uh, elevate to that uh, same tier as the rest of our uh, stellar young guys and, and prove that they belong in the group for World Cup qualifying. And so the lineup just crushed my my spirit. We did see over the course of the game, we saw some of those guys get some time and we got we did learn a decent amount about uh, about about Busio in particular. And it was fantastic to see him come uh, come in at home and play in front of a, a, a raucous home field atmosphere. Uh, our listener, Cameron, was at the game and reported that it was it sounded great on TV and re- reports that even though it was, you know, numerically not the the packed house that it could be in a ideal scenario. Uh, it was, it was a raucous, you know, pro U S atmosphere, which is all you can ask for. So I think coming away from this, there's a lot of positives I draw. It's hard for me to shake that disappointment at not having a stronger gold cup team. But I think by, by, match two, match three, as I get into the tournament, I'm going to kind of forget about that and just be be focused on seeing this team do as well as it possibly can. And this was a step in the progression for this group to make an impression at this tournament, even if it's not what I was hoping for originally. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that, um, so I want to talk about Buzio and I want to talk about uh, DK and and Shackmore and and this game and and all that but you know this is one of those very very rare moments in my Nats experience where the stuff going on this weekend other than the Nats is really needs to be addressed in order to talk about our to contextualize yeah so of yeah, this it, game yeah um, where's so, the program at so when so w- I am sure that if you're listening to this, you were to some degree aware that last night Lionel Messi lifted the Copa America, his first ever major trophy. Okay? Even if that didn't happen, you probably cared about this game. But that did happen. That is an enormous deal if you're a soccer fan. Um, whether it is enormous because you're going to have to deal with it for the rest of your life uh, because you believe that either Cristiano Ronaldo or Maradona is the best player of all time, you know, or it's enormous because you you think like me that Messi is that guy. And, you know, he finally broke through. So it's a big deal if you like soccer that that happened. And then earlier today, uh, England lost to Italy in penalty kicks. So somehow England, in their glory, whilst covering themselves with glory, as English people say, which I am just amazed by, um, whilst covering themselves in glory by getting to the final of a major tournament, they also managed to England themselves out of this tournament. Totally. totally. And further the penalty jinx feeling by having a bunch of very young, untested players uh, thrust into a penalty kick at the end and miss. Okay. So you were probably aware of some of these things. After watching that, the both of those games, and after what has been a marathon of soccer between these two tournaments uh, for a lot of people, and I'm sorry if this is not you, if you genuinely just only tuned into the Haiti game, you are the shit. You are the peak. You're your next level. You're next level, dog. You are next <laughs> level. Um, but I think that this is probably a relatable experience. Tuning into this Gold Cup, if you did at all, was was strange, man. The third thing that's really important to contextualize this game that is bigger than this game is the experience of what uh, the, the what Haiti is is going through. And um, Ty, I know you're not an expert, and I'm sorry to make you say this again. Um, as you did on the YouTube stream live. Um, but 
But what exactly is is happened over? Not exactly, but what generally happened uh, in Haiti that is affecting that can only we can only imagine is affecting the play on the field. Yeah. So the the rough recap is that the government there has been very weak and very um, very mistrusted for a long time, and there's a a degree of uh, you know day to day mismanagement that's been exacerbated by the COVID pandemic. And so you have a situation where there's lots of people who are suffering and, and a small handful of people who are doing just fine and, you know, uh, kind of living it up. And so there has been a lot of popular discontent and somehow this led, no one knows yet exactly how, but led to the president being assassinated by a cadre of Colombian gunmen who allegedly, I should say, who then fled to the Taiwanese embassy for some reason. So it's this bizarre kind of international intrigue situation. But the long and short of it is for the Haitian people, for everyday people in in Haiti, this is a rough time. There's not really a functional central government in Haiti. And uh, there's kind of a, a, a vacuum and vacuums tend to create really bad conditions for everyday people. So it's a tough time. And I would imagine that this is something, you know, not only just on the minds of the players as an abstract kind of political thing, but likely as a very practical thing that, you know, they're they're here in the US. I'm guessing a fair amount of the players play uh, locally and or at least, you know, regularly travel back and forth. And so their families are going through this really shitty, difficult situation where there's a lot of uncertainty and, you know, maybe uh, fear and uh, and and difficulty. So it's hard for that not to affect you. And it makes sense. And the, the team also uh, lost a bunch of players immediately prior due to positive COVID tests. So it was, you know, on balance, you'd have to say a really uh, uh, respectable performance by the Haitian team. They showed a lot of a lot of grit, determination and and very easily could have come away with an equalizer in the, the closing minute there with that that wild scramble front of uh matthew turner so that's right uh, that's right you know, the u.s hardly hardly impressed today it was just enough to get by with a win you know it sets us up well to hopefully qualify fairly straightforwardly and then be able to play with the lineup a little bit uh, but the next match is our toughest it's going to be against canada toughest of the group so um, I'm guessing Greg will go all out to to win that, secure qualification for the next round, and then be able to kind of play with the lineup in the last game. All right. So all that being said, here we are, Gold Cup. It's all we care about. This is life. Nats is life. Um, but you can. But my experience of this game was was a strange one for all those reasons. You know, it it does seem like there's just so much going on. Um, so help me focus in here. Right. Uh, yeah. There's, there's, right, right, there's right, a few right. players, right? That that there are some there are some highlights here to walk away from. Let's start with Shaq Moore. We haven't seen this guy in a long, long time, and he he by the end of this game, I think convinced both of us that that he's grown into um, his own a little bit. Uh, he was able to play defense and offense, right? Which somehow turns out he appeared on he both sides of the field to do that. Yes. Uh, Sam Vines. Who, Sam Vines yeah. was only on the opposite side of the field that was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, so, what do you yeah. see from Shaq Moore? What do you what do you what do you think? Yeah, uh, Shaq Moore really impressed me. He's clearly grown up a lot in the last um, you know eighteen months or twelve months since we've been able to see him for the U.S. Probably eighteen, um, and he his trajectory has been really fascinating. So he was a really high level. Uh, prospect for the U.S. coming up. He he was an important player in the U-20 teams and, and so on. Um, and he went over to Europe relatively early. Uh, he was in, uh, you know, pretty good situations. But then he sort of started to, he ended up like on loan a lot. And he was playing for like a new team every week. And the teams he was playing for were like folding and not, you know, not paying wages and all that kind of stuff. And he's kind of settled in into the the uh, um, second tier in Spain with Tenerife. 
and has been doing really well. So he he had a, a brief stretch where he was playing in La Liga. He played against Messi at, at the new camp a couple of years Speaking ago. Speaking of. Um, and it seems like, you know, maybe he's kind of on a trajectory to be able to make it back to that to that level if he's able to carve out a, you know, create a reputation for himself in Spain. And you can see that kind of like self-made attitude coming out in the way that he played today. And it, it's clear that he's learned a lot. He's learned a lot of toughness and a lot of, uh, a lot of grit from from those experiences. There was a particular play where he like he wrote a couple challenges in order to get a ball off, and that was just like the kind of thing you're not totally used to seeing from a a homegrown you know U.S. based uh, right back. So yeah. it was it was good to see it. It it felt like um, he he's someone who we could count on in pressure moments when there's when there's chippiness. Maybe maybe one for the away team that we've been discussing. The 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 US roster we want for uh, games on the road in CONCACAF. I think you're onto something there. He does look like a good solid away pick. So the whole goal was to was is to walk away from this tournament with someone who we can bring into the fold, right? And I think Shaq Moore showed us that a little bit. Side note, thanks to YouTube, it is it, we've been notified that in fact the game schedule is a little <laughs> different than what Ty mentioned. We're not playing Canada next. Uh, it's going to be Martinique. So that's the easy one. And my whole my whole kind of so just so just to wrap so my whole kind of thing with this game was we need to win this game with Jackson Ewell so that we can see some boozy baby uh, for that second game against Martinique. That's what this game is all about for me. And then I got to see it. Uh, anyways, which was which was pretty nice, and and this let's is talk all about a mini game to try to get the to, most to try to get the most Busio minutes possible. Yeah. Uh, but we got a bunch in this game, and contrary to the Shaq Moore experience, which was I have to say almost entirely positive, um, really solid showing from Shaq Moore, and looks like potentially if if this ninety minutes were the whole Gold Cup. Um, Someone we should take along. Someone we should consider and think about in the future. Um, Busio, I'm not sold yet from the minutes I've seen uh, in in the jersey. So, you know, I'm high on Busio. Uh, the offensively, he showed it. There's there's definitely he has a thing going on, uh, but he was a little easy to dribble past, and uh, I'm concerned about that. Right? This if you're easy to dribble past in a game like this, it's just not a good look. Uh, it's not going to go well. Ty, what did you think of uh, Buzio's performance? Where are you at? Yeah, you, has your opinion changed, think, developed, evolved? I, I don't think so. I think I'm, I'm, I'm very high on him, and I think that he can and should be an important part of the team over the next cycle, two cycles. So I, you know, I wouldn't expect a player in their very first cap to show exactly what they're all about. You know, I think that's very rare. And particularly when it comes to positioning, uh, I feel like a lot of players on a, a debut or you know even just early on in their career, they're very tentative in their positioning because they're focused on not making a high-profile mistake, as opposed to uh, sort of stamping their authority on the game. So I think you saw that a couple times from Busio, where I think maybe he his his um, his willingness to to chop it up and and get involved in plays wasn't necessarily there. Um, but he had a couple good moments, and it, I think he showed some of the reasons why he's he's a very special talent, someone that U.S. fans are very, uh, very, very interested in. Um, and he is clearly no more an issue or liability when it comes to aggressive defense than uh, Jackson Ewell. That's the thing, right? Is is basically a, a wet paper bag on a good day, and. I mean, I, I don't know why this guy, he, he, the only reason that he seems to play the six is because he, his long passing is high quality, which is undoubtedly true, but he adds so little on defense. It's, it's done. Wild. It's yeah. Wild. So there was a tactical shift there. Um, so when Ewell was dropping back into the, into the center back position a lot, which allowed theoretically, which I like, that's, Sam what, I want. Vines that's what I'm looking for. And Shaq yes. Moore to push up. Um, Sam Vines, I, have we have we explicitly said it? He was attacking too much. He wasn't defending <laughs> enough. So when when Luca Busio came in, um, it switched to a different to a to a rotating midfield three instead of uh, what right, it was. So right. so and the problem here was that Luca Busio is, uh, I assume, used to really just playing the six recently. 
Um, so you saw Sebastian Legette check back, correctly identify that he should slot into the six, but Busio did not. Right, so then you saw Busio and Legette five feet away from each other um, on a counterattack, playing both playing from the sixth position, which is not sure. Great. Sure. Um, so those are those are youth things. Well, yeah, or maybe there was a little bit of confusion about that in the in the system. Like, do you think that that should have been like he should have been aware of that and he just missed it or was overwhelmed? I absolutely. I think I'm guessing. Right. Look, we this is a fan podcast, okay? So I don't know. But yeah, I think that was explicit because Busio is not. I it look, because the reason I think that is because it looked like that because Kalen Acosta mm. and Sebastian Legette started playing like that. Uh, the other reason I think that is because it would make sense. Um, Busio is not as seasoned, and I wouldn't trust him as much in the center back position just in case something went wrong, right? So you sure. can't you can't necessarily have him do that thing that Yule was doing. Don't know that I trust Yule either. I'm just doing Greggy brain right now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so I, that's what I think happened. Switch to this rotating thing that he wasn't ready for, and that is a, a classic young player thing. It's also a classic new player thing. If you, even if you're a 27 year old in your prime, you come in and you're asked to do a thing that's different than what you've done for your club, and you haven't played with the national team very much. It's going to be tough. It takes a while. Right. 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 Yeah. The thing that I kept weirding me out about this game, this whole situation, was how. This did not feel at all like the first game of a tournament. Because what we're used to seeing in the first game of a tournament is the teams go all out to get a good start. Because if you lose that first game, you're, you know, behind the gun from the very beginning. And so you have this like super high pressure, high intensity, high pace to these games. They're, they're, you know, nervy, intense and exciting. And this still felt like a friendly pace to me with the new new squad and, you know, with circumstances on the Haitian side. Uh, what did you think of that? Did, did this feel properly tournamenty? To no, it felt, I just... it felt totally weird and friendly-ish, like you said. And, and that, and that is why, you know, I, I opened the show with the context because I think it probably had to feel that way to all of us. And it just, I, you got to acknowledge that it's in the air. You know, this just isn't the most important thing happening right now. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's I guess okay. that's where you're that's, going with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's okay. That's there's this is life. But for you know, you got to fit the game of the into Haitian life. Players, for some of the Haitian players, it's probably it's, you know, game of your life territory. Right? But I guess, you know, just with the circumstances on their side, maybe that that influences things. So I just, I just think yeah, there's just too much weird shit going on. There's too this, much weird shit going to, on. To kind of like assess this in a very simple manner. Yeah, you know, to just to just to look yeah. at what happened on the field and kind of break it down, you know. So, I think that's that's probably it's going to end up being understated because I feel like the the typical uh, you know soccer coverage press is just like very down the middle about like you know analyzing how Jackson Ewell played in this game as opposed to analyzing the fact that Jackson Ewell was playing in a this good game. Like a good example of that. Yeah, a good a example of that. thing to happen. It, totally. Who was it? Was it Giassi Zardes? There was a, there was a Haitian yes, chance, and, yeah. the, and I think Giassi Zardes, you know, was nearby, and Stu Holden said, Zardes does just enough here to put off the shot, right? That's a perfect <laughs> example of what you're talking about. It's like, he didn't defend well. Sam Vines was nowhere to be seen. That's what you know, we should be talking about. That's the topic of conversation. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps you could be talking about the fact that the Haitian player um, could have done better there. You know, all context aside, this was a miss. Um, but yeah, to, yeah, say, yeah. to say, oh, Zardes does just enough to put the off the attacker Yeah, is such a, it just, it just epitomizes this sort of like uh, myopic or this like, this like funneled, sort of sports sure. talk like yes, lens, yes, you know yes, exactly yes yeah it's almost like it's it's like insulting to be talked at in a manner that doesn't acknowledge that this is not the real national team yeah you know what i mean i like do I, know what you mean i do i know what you mean it's like like everyone just agrees to go along with this fiction that oh well you know this is what we have available and the, you know this is the this US is the team. team and we're just going to cover was it, it just yeah like we was it Alexi do, Lawless you know? who said it's offensive that this is a B to say this is a B team come on now 
you know, and like, and I, and that's why we're doing, uh, this is, um, this is a shameless plug, but it's also relevant. That is why we're on YouTube talking through the games because we're sick of this bullshit. Like we want to watch the games and kind of hear commentary that actually is addressing what the fuck is going on. Like the, you know, let's talk about the context. Let's talk about the fact that this is a strange national team let's talk about the fact that jonathan lewis is not a young player anymore <laughs> you know like <laughs> let's talk about the fact that zardes shouldn't be playing left wing like what the fuck is going on um and it doesn't take much i mean the way i'm doing it right now is super aggressive but it's not too aggressive to speak more truthfully and just to try to connect to the fans and this isn't just because this isn't just on principle um you know th this is because we are trying to build something here and you, you need to, totally, you totally. need to, yeah. you need to find people where they're actually at, you know, maybe a good right. example of that is, is a British commentator, you know, saying this is a really anxious situation right now for British fans. Right. And talking about like the closer this gets to penalties, the more anxious these British fans. And then when the British fans in this final were freaking out and just and totally partying saying, you know, Wow, be saying, expressing some surprise. Oh, I don't see anxiety here. There's a party happening. And then even after the Euro final, acknowledging that, you know, there was some disturbance and fans forcing their way into the stadium and saying, that's not okay. And like, you know, these are all what fans are actually experiencing. And I, I don't know what it feels like to be English, but it, from the outside perspective, I feel like the real conversation is happening a little more there. Whereas here, it's this weird like pageant. It's like a beauty pageant of some kind. Yeah, and I, I think it's 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 you know easy for us because our job isn't to promote this as a product, you know. So I think maybe behind the scenes there is a little bit more tension about you know from the broadcaster side about the fact that the, the U.S. just brought a really milk toast group, right? It's and it's tough to gussy this up, honestly. So you know. We're, we're, we're just hoping that this turns into a circumstance where we like some of the sub goals of the larger, you know, national team trajectory get accomplished that we get, we get a bunch of minutes, we, you know, un uncover some, some gems, you know? Yeah. But when, when a lineup like this rolls out, it's like, I don't know. I, 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 I we got to let the lineup go dog. More eye rolling. <laughs> I wish there was more eye rolling, but we got to let the that, lineup go I'm because there's stuff that there's, you know, even just. In today's game, like talk to me about um, talk to me about Daryl DK and you know why he. So one of the things we talked a lot about uh, on the YouTube feed that I'm curious to get your thoughts on now is like, you know, DK seems to possess all the the tools needed to do the false nine situation, uh, but seems to choose not to do it. It's a strange uh, situation over there. What did you think of DK's performance? Yeah, I think. I saw some of the maybe frailties or issues that are the reasons he's not starting in these situations. And the same thing happened in the, the Nations League camp where he was behind Sibachu uh, and Sargent um, in the depth chart and, and, you know, didn't actually appear during that camp until that last game, that friendly against uh, Costa Rica. So I think there's, you know, there's there's more to it than just, you know, analyzing the players. Uh, YouTube highlights or FIFA stats. And I think there are things that, you know, the coaching staff are, are seeing in the way that he approaches playing within this system. Um, but I guess one, one aspect that I'm not quite clear on right now is what Berhalter really wants his nines to be doing, you know, and I, I feel like it's at, at times it's been a lot more straightforward and at times it's been a lot more, you know, false nine ish. Uh, so I'm, I, I, I'm not exactly sure. And maybe, maybe there's room for both in different circumstances. Um, but when, uh, DK has been in, was put in those positions where he had to actually combine with midfield or, you know, be, be in midfield for a certain period of time, he looked very uncomfortable, just like physically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, it I feel upsetting. like he's, he's comfortable, you know, uh, working on the shoulder of the, the last man and trying to have one touch or two touches to, to score. Uh, like in that, that Costa Rica game where he had, it was like a, I forget the center back. It was this, one of the center backs basically hit the ball through the entire defense straight through to 
DK one touch bang back of the net. That's that's what he's all about. But um, you know, it's it's harder for him to to maneuver in those kind of tight spaces. Yeah, it was it was eye opening for me because I watched him with the Barnes, you know, Barnsley, Barnsley, Burnley, Barnsley. <laughs> um, I wa- I watched him with the Barnes, and looks promising. He's very good at. He is actually very good at two touch interplay. Um, with a lot of physical contact in difficult situations. He is good at that. He's also good at ripping rocket shots from distance. I mean, and, that's and the close. elite skill. That's the elite skill that's Man, uh, on the display guy can, regularly. The guy can rip a rocket a shot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and he's good at scrapping around, and, and he's a competitor for sure. Right. Um, this was the easiest possible situation to drop into midfield and combine... And this is the easiest conceivable. I have test never, for that I've never. Yes. So, so this is a situation I've never seen him in, and maybe it's because I'm not watching enough of the MLS. But um, I didn't realize how how poorly it was going to go. I'm sad about. I'm sad about it. Should I be? Am well, I? Where are we at? I'm going to give him more time, and you know, I. It's another reason why I think starting him would have been a good idea, but, you know, whatever. So it, it you know, I, I, I don't think we can judge based on two trips into midfield or three trips into midfield, you know, you want to give him a little bit more experience working within the system and uh, before you totally give up on that, but it's definitely a concern. And, and all I, all I mean to say is that it just illuminated for me the reasons why it's been harder to find minutes for him. It sure did. He's, he's fitting a very currently he's, he's doing a very good job of fitting a narrow niche and the, the game state and the opponent and all of that is going to dictate whether that niche is appropriate. So we'll wait for the niche. So currently we wait for the niche, but hopefully there's there's opportunities within this tournament and uh, perhaps after though time's kind of running out um, to to experiment, you know. Um, but I, I I remain I remain with very high hopes that that I think he can develop into a, a top level striker. And if that's if that's the thing that's separating him is just his ability to to combined in midfield, I think that's that's a lot uh, more enviable a situation than a player like Josh Sargent who combines in midfield great but can't hit the back of the but net. can't score so, no fucking goals, dog. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd much rather have that situation. Yeah, yeah. Giacchini looked like he was going to figure it out. It seemed like he would unlock Yeah, Giacchini looked fine. Yeah, I don't... I don't see a so, lot special there. There's another there is another sort of non-soccer context that's extremely relevant, which is uh fans returning to the stadiums. Completely. So this is a really big deal. And it didn't, you know, so we hear, you know, the 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 uh, atmosphere was nice in the stadium. That's what's up. Um there was like a billion own goals at the beginning of the Euros because I think because of the, the fans, you know, we're not talking about that. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Um, and I think that on this air, it's a great time to talk about what that means for our fandom. Right. This totally. we, we've we've been through the dark ages, man. Am, am I is there anything else you want to say about the actual gameplay of this game before I bring up this other interesting topic? The last point I wanted to make is that uh, Zimmerman was great, and and Zimmerman's good. He's a good player. He he uh, increased my estimation, not in the areas I was expecting. I never thought of him as a a, a long passer. Um, maybe I was just kind of missing that while I was you know paying attention to other things. But he it was on full display in this match. I mean, he was bypassing the entire Haitian team with some of the balls. He was playing straight to the the front line. So. Very, very impressive, and he's got size, experience, and brashness, and never-say-die attitude. So I think he's he's a perfect member of the USM&T official away team. Away team. Let's go, yes. Zimmerman. Get Let's him, go, Shaq Moore. Come on in. You're in. San Pedro Sula team. is called. Oh, you know what? Um, rest in peace, Pauli Ariola Nips. Uh, my guy. Pour, pour one out for Paul. Pour one out for the guy. Dude, oh it just doesn't get... Drop down All injured right. early on in this in this game if you didn't watch. So to crowds. So to the crowds. 
Um, the reason I bring this up is uh, in part because of what my post-COVID soccer experience has been, which is playing the game again. And I think this is something we don't get a ton of opportunity to talk about um, because the show's not really about our lives. But I think it's really important that we can play this game again. Uh, one of our long-standing missions for years uh, prior to COVID was to get out and play some pickup. Uh, Ty, remind the people why that is. Why do we care about pickup? So the roots of a strong national team program are a strong national culture around the game. Basically, culture creates a foundation for kids in particular to grow up around high quality soccer information. <laughs> yeah. And the biggest thing that holds the US back is not soccer participation. Soccer is the most important youth sport in America. Most participated in. Most participated in, yeah. Most important is another matter, but most participated None of it's important. By, by, by head count. Yeah. But it's a weekend activity. Right. So you have a weekday practice for an hour, you have a weekend game. And that is not enough to make good soccer players. So what we need is that soccer is one of those default activities that, you know, every family gathering and every every time you go down to the park, there's just people kicking the ball around. And that's the case in a lot of places in the world. And those places tend to be better at soccer than us yeah. for that reason. So so to me, Pickup is is one of the sort of fundamental indicators. Uh, it's both an indicator and a cause of our future success in the you know elevated heights of the national team program. Because the more opportunities that you have for a six year old Christian Pulisic to play soccer, the better. Yeah. So there's so that is true. It is about cultivating better players. It is also about the reason we love soccer in the first place, which which has to which is relevant for today's game versus Haiti, right? This, there's this really difficult thing happening for real human beings in in this country, and one of the common responses you're gonna get out there if you're if you're a fan of U.S. soccer and trying to make it grow is, why are you rooting against Haiti right now? Like, what the fuck, dog? Which is true. God, I mean, fair. 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 But I, there's a, there is a real answer to that um, concern, which is that for me, um, and, I, and I hope you guys agree, um, but, but let us know. For me, this is a, a nonviolent way to, to participate in, in my country that I love. Um, so rather than, let's say, literally colonialize the world... Um, you know, or, or create, you know, these, these, or things, hint, things hint. like that. We can play soccer and, and celebrate, you know, winning in a way that doesn't actually cause, um, these negative repercussions, right? So, so when we smash Haiti in the gold cup, it's not making their country worse, right? That this is a crucial difference that we can smash Haiti in the gold cup and then increase the size of the Gold Cup to include more teams like Haiti and everyone, as the U.S. gets better, everyone in CONCACAF is getting better and we're all experiencing each other and coming to have cultural context with, with countries that I don't know anything about. I literally would not know that this was happening in Haiti if it was not for soccer, you know? So I am a better person because of this game, because I understand just the tiniest bit about the world through this game that I love. And because I'm able to celebrate, you know, my my neighbors, my country, my city, my state, um, right. via this team in a way that that is that doesn't is is ultimately nonviolent. Right. A hundred percent. So the reason I bring that up in terms of post COVID is that we can now play again, right? So and and this doesn't this isn't just true for our national teams. It's true for our neighborhoods. I've been I've I, I I've been experimenting with um, you know trying to create a neighborhood soccer team and 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 coach it to the best of my abilities, um, which I'm unqualified to do. But my friends are kind enough to <laughs> to 
So is Greg. Let me try it out. So is Greg. (laughs) You know, Um, I also play my brother on the team, uh, which is very Greggy. But what I've learned is just what an incredible, um, what an incredible way to get to know my neighborhood. This is. Um, I don't want to bring too much into this, but as as a as someone who's experienced being on the wrong end of gentrification a few times, as well as well. I've been on both ends of gentrification and they're both the wrong end. Um, the, you know, being able to go to a neighborhood that I'm actually not from, but care about and I'm genuine about wanting to, to participate in and share uh, community through soccer has been, uh, it's been heart opening. I want to say eye opening, but it's heart opening to see the walls that this game is able to bring down um, between communities. And then in addition to that, to see the, the way that people are, when, when given a few tools, a few techniques, a, few, a little bit of belief and a nice halftime speech, the way that people can rise above what they think they can do in this game is also just so, so um, uh, affirming and so, so human and, and beautiful. So this is my long-ass treaties, my, my long-ass treaties about why, uh, it's just a reminder that that guys, if you're if you're vaccinated and and if you know your local law, um, whatever is like cool with it, go. You can go out and play this game again. Uh, start remember why we love this. Why do we care about the U.S. playing Haiti in the Gold Cup this weekend? With all this other more important shit going on, it's because <laughs> of what this game can do IRL. You know, um, and I'm not and and we're not out here just saying you know, play pickup because we want the team to be better. You know, we're doing it. We're doing it. Ty has driven, you know, an hour out to Brooklyn to play with the Crown Heights Finger Traps. And that's a really, that's the name of our team. Indeed. Crown Heights Finger (laughs) Traps. And that's a really beautiful thing. You know, make make an effort, go out there and see if this game can, can open up your life a little bit. And go see the Nats. I mean, I'm, I'm itching to get out there again. You know, it's 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 difficult logistically right now because the venues are very far from me in this particular iteration of the Gold Cup. But, um, you know, we've had several listeners reach out to us and mention that they've they've been to some of these uh, games on the road back from from COVID. Um, and, you know, uh, early pandemic or mid pandemic, I was famously very against there being crowds. But now that the vaccination rollout has been. Uh, so strong. I I think it's it's the perfect activity to kind of get back to community, you know, and it it, it underscores how much these teams can matter to our cities. You know, seeing seeing like Austin, for instance, come into MLS and uh, you know try to try to make an impact and try to resonate in that community there where they have every shot. You know, Austin is is primed to be a, a great soccer town. Um, these these things these things matter, and the the uh, phenomenon of sports can last in a crowdless vacuum, but only on the steam of prior accomplishments or achievements or reputation. And what's beautiful about the crowd being there is that it allows it to continue to evolve and continue to grow in a new way. You know, so what 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 we we were able to see on TV mid COVID was essentially like a frozen in time version of whatever soccer culture we happen to have and and like watered down in a lot of ways. And so it's beautiful to me to see the English fans, to see a, a couple pockets of Brazil fans or, you know, even the couple, maybe maybe a thousand Argentina fans that got to be there to watch uh, Messi win the Copa America and to see Donald Wine, leading chance for the oh, Nats. You Donald know, it's, Wine, it's, shouts it's to the based we, And we have, in, in Kansas City in particular, we have this burgeoning U.S. soccer fan culture that is legitimate and beautiful and representative of our country. And, that we, and we roll hard and we roll deep. That's and when, when we get when we make it to the World Cup, we sell more tickets than anybody else. So, you know, as I always say, uh, America is not a soccer nation, but there is a soccer nation within America. And it's beautiful to see that uh, finally released and, and freed to to continue its uh, inexorable 
expansion and growth to, to take over the world. The unstoppable tide, the inevitable tide, um, which is which is a reference, if you don't know, to uh, a phrase often said about Islam. The inevitable tide. I love it. It's beautiful. Um, if you believe that what you're saying is the truth, you have to believe that it will inevitably spread, right? <laughs> is that true? That's let's ask let's ask some Derrida if that if he thinks so. Um, well, Ty, right. I think that we've proven why people should care about the next game. Uh, tune in. It's Martinique. See see if Buzio can do it. See if DK gets another try. See if Greggy just GGGs all over us again. GGG. See all those things. Um, any any last thoughts for the peeps, Ty, before we depart? It's late. It's no. Sunday. It's late. It's there's it's a late. week about to it's happen. Late. No, I'm 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 glad I you know, I enjoyed the Euro final, but I can never enjoy the final of the Euros, the final of the Copa America, the Champions League. As much as I enjoy watching the national team, it's a fact. I I can un, I can identify the level of quality being dramatically different. I get it. We get for it. Me, for me, I cannot enjoy watching any team as much as I enjoy watching my Nats because it represents all of those things that I believe in deeply, and that uh, that I'm 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 willing to. You know, they they represent ideals that I myself am willing to sacrifice for, and that matter to me. So, uh, let's go Yanks. Let's go Yanks. It's a, it's a tournament. It's a Dude. tournament. Let's let's just like you remember thought, that it's a tournament. You thought playing. we couldn't get hype for this? I'm sorry. <laughs> did you think we couldn't get hype for this? Fuck Martinique. Fuck Martinique. <laughs> Martinique's about to get shattered. No injuries, please. Rest in peace, Polyariola Nips. We love you, my guy. We love you for life. Um, all right, dude. I, <laughs> Jesus. I like, there was, this was a long family weekend too. That's a side note. So that's where this comes from. I like uncles. Mm. I like cousins. I like grandmoms, grandpops, and grandmoms and grandpops old friends. And I like chicken parm. But I tell you what, I don't love any of that shit as much as I love the Nats. Let's go, boys. Goodbye, people. It's We the Peeps. It's We the Peeps. Welcome to We the Peeps. Are you ready for We the Peeps? Holy moly, it's We the Peeps.